Hi everybody, Carla here, and welcome back to another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. If you have any questions or if you'd like to make a suggestion or if you have a comment, please feel free to write me at carlareadstheclassics at gmail.com. And now let's jump right back into Harbor Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird, Chapter 19. Thomas Robinson reached around, ran his fingers under his left arm, and lifted it. He guided his arm to the Bible, and his rubber-like left hand sought contact with the black binding. As he raised his right hand, the useless one slipped off the Bible and hit the clerk's table. He was trying again when Judge Taylor growled, "'That'll do, Tom.' Tom took the oath and stepped into the witness chair. Atticus very quickly induced him to tell us. Tom was 25 years of age. He was married with three children. He had been in trouble with the law before. He once received 30 days for disorderly conduct. It must have been disorderly, said Atticus. What did it consist of? Got in a fight with another man. He tried to cut me. Did he succeed? Yes, sir, a little. Not enough to hurt. You see, I... Tom moved his left shoulder. Yes, said Atticus. You were both convicted? Yes, sir. I had to serve because I couldn't pay the fine. Other fellow paid his and... Dill leaned across me and asked Jim, what was Atticus doing? Jim said Atticus was showing the jury that Tom had nothing to hide. Were you acquainted with Mayella Violet Ewell? asked Atticus. Yes, sir. I had to, pl- I had to pass her place going to and from the field every day. What field? I picks for Mr. Link Dias. Were you picking cotton in November? No, sir. I works in his yard fall and winter time. I works pretty much steady for him all year round. He's got a lot of pecan trees and things. You say you had to pass the Ewell place to get to and from work. Is there any other way to go? No, sir. None's I know of. Tom, did she ever speak to you? Why, yes, sir. I'd tip my hat when I'd go by, and one day she asked me to come inside the fence and bust up a shift for robe for her. When, when did she ask you to chop up the, the shift robe? Mr. Finch, it was way last spring. I remember because I was, it was chopping time, and I had my hoe with me. I didn't have nothing but this hoe, but she said she had a hatchet. She gave me the hatchet, and I broke up the shiffer robe. She said, I reckon I'll have to give you a nickel, won't I? And I said, no, ma'am, there ain't no charge. Then I went home. Mr. Finch, that was way last spring, way over a year ago. Did you ever go on the place again? Yes, sir. When? Well, I went lots of times. Judge Taylor instinctively reached for his gavel, but let his hand fall. The murmur below us died without his help. Under what circumstances? Please, sir? Why did you go inside the fence lots of times? Tom Robinson's forehead relaxed. She'd call me in, sir. Seemed like every time I passed by yonder, she'd have some little something for me to do. Chopping kindling, toting water for her. She watered them red flowers every day. Were you paid for your services? No, sir. Not after she offered me a nickel the first time. I was glad to do it. Mr. Yule didn't seem to help her none, and neither did the chillin', and I know she didn't have no nickels to spare. Where were the other children? They was always around, all over the place. They'd watch me work, some of them. Some of them sat in the window. Would Miss Mayella talk to you? Yes, sir. She talked to me. As Tom Robinson gave his testimony, it came to me that Mayella Yule must have been the loneliest person in the world. 
She was even lonelier than Boo Radley, who had not been out of the house in 25 years. When Atticus had asked if she had any friends, she seemed not to know what he meant. Then she thought he was making fun of her. She was as sad, I thought, as what Jim called a mixed child. White people wouldn't have anything to do with her because she lived among pigs. Negroes wouldn't have anything to do with her because she was white. She couldn't live like Mr. Dolphus Raymond, who preferred the company of Negroes because she didn't own a river bank and she wasn't from a fine old family. Nobody said, that's just their way, about the Ewells. Makem gave them Christmas baskets, welfare money, and the back of its hand. Tom Robinson was probably the only person who was ever decent to her, but she said he took advantage of her. And when she stood up, she looked at him as though he were the dirt beneath her feet. Did you ever, Atticus interrupted my meditations, at any time go on the Yule property? Did you ever set foot on the Yule property without an express invitation from one of them? No, sir, Mr. Finch, I never did. I wouldn't do that, sir. Atticus sometimes said that one way to tell whether a witness was lying or telling the truth was to listen rather than to watch. I applied his test. Tom denied it three times in one breath, but quietly with no hint of whining in his voice, and I found myself believing him in spite of his protesting too much. He seemed to be a respectable Negro, and a respectable Negro would never go up into somebody's yard of his own volition. Tom, what happened to you on the evening of November 21st of last year? Below us, the spectators drew a collective breath and leaned forward. Behind us, the Negroes did the same. Tom was a black velvet Negro, not shiny, but soft black velvet. The whites of his eyes shone in his face, and when he spoke, we saw flashes of his teeth. If he had been whole, he would have been a fine specimen of a man. Mr. Finch, he said, I was going home as usual that evening, and when I passed the Ewell place, Miss Mayella were on the porch like she said she were. It seemed real quiet-like, and I didn't know why. I was studying why, just passing by, when she says for me to come there and help her a minute. Well, I went inside the fence and looked around for some kindling to work on, but I didn't see none. And she says, no, I got something for you to do in the house. The old door's off its hinges and falls coming on pretty fast. I said, you got a screwdriver, Miss Mayella? And she said she sure had. Well, I went up the steps, and she motioned me to come inside, and I went in the front room and looked at the door. I said, Miss Mayella, this door look all right. I pulled it back and forth, and those hinges was all right. Then she shut the door in my face. Mr. Finch, I was wondering why it was so quiet-like, and it come to me that there weren't a child on the place, not a one of them. And I said, Miss Mayella, where the chillin'? Tom's black velvet skin had begun to shine, and he ran his hand over his face. I say, where the chillin', he continued, and she says, she was laughing, sort of, she says, they all going to town to get ice creams. She said, took me a slap year to save seven nickels, but I done it. They all going to town. Tom's discomfort was not from the humidity. What did you say then, Tom? asked Atticus. I said something like, why, Miss Ella, that's right smart of you to treat him. And she said, you think so? I don't think she understood what I was thinking. I meant it was smart of her to save like that and nice of her to treat him. I understand you, Tom. Go on, 
said Atticus. Well, I said I best be going. I couldn't do nothing for her. And she says, oh, yes, I could. And I ask her what? And she says to just step on that chair yonder and get that box down from on top of the shiffer robe. Not the same shiffer robe you busted up, asked Atticus. The witness smiled. No, sir, another one, most as tall as the room. So I done what she told me, and I was just reaching when the next thing I knows, she, she'd grab me round the legs, grab me round the legs, Mr. Finch. She scared me so bad I hopped down and turned the chair over. That was the only thing, only furniture stirred in that room, Mr. Finch, when I left it. I swear for God. What happened to you after you turned the chair over? Tom Robinson had come to a dead stop. He glanced at Atticus, then at the jury, then at Mr. Underwood sitting across the room. Tom, you're sworn to tell the whole truth. Will you tell it? Tom ran his hand nervously over his mouth. What happened after that? Answer the question, said Judge Taylor. One third of his cigar had vanished. Mr. Finch, I got down off of the chair and turned around and she sort of jumped on me. Jumped on you, violently? No, sir. She, she hugged me. She hugged me round the waist. This time, Judge Taylor's gavel came down with a bang, and as it did, the overhead lights went on in the courtroom. Darkness had not come, but the afternoon sun had left the windows. Judge Taylor quickly restored order. Then what did she do? The witness swallowed hard. She reached up and, and kissed Miss out of the face. She says she never kissed a grown man before, and she might as well kiss a nigger. She says what her papa do to her don't count. She says, kiss me back, nigger. And I say, Miss Mayella, let me out of here and, and tried to run, but she got her back to the door and I'd have had to push her. I didn't want to harm her, Mr. Finch, and I'd say, let me pass. But just when I say it, Mr. Ewell yonder hollered through the window. What did he say? Tom Robinson swallowed again and his eyes widened. Something not fitting to say. Not fitting for these folks and chillin' to hear. What did he say, Tom? You must tell the jury what he said. Tom Robinson shut his eyes tight. He says, you goddamn whore, I'll kill you. Then what happened? Mr. Finch, I was running so fast, I didn't know what happened. Tom, did you rape Mayella Ewell? I did not, sir. Did you harm her in any way? I did not, sir. Did you resist her advances? Mr. Finch, I tried. I tried to thought about being ugly to her. I didn't want to be ugly. I, I didn't want to push her or, or, or nothing. It occurred to me that in their own way, Tom Robinson's manner were as good as Atticus's. Until my father explained it to me later, I did not understand the subtlety of Tom's predicament. He would not have dared strike a white woman under any circumstances and expect to live long, so he took the first opportunity to run a sure sign of guilt. Tom, go back once more to Mr. Ewell, said Atticus. Did he say anything to you? Not anything, sir. He, he might have said something, but I weren't there. That'll do, Atticus cut in sharply. What did you hear? Who was he talking to? Mr. Finch, he were talking to and looking at Miss Mayella. Then you ran? I sure did, sir. Why did you run? I was scared, sir. Why were you scared? Mr. Finch, if you were a nigger like me, you'd be scared too. Atticus sat down. <laughs>
Mr. Gilmer was making his way to the witness stand, but before he got there, Mr. Link Dias rose from the audience and announced, I just want the whole lot of you to know one thing right now. That boy's worked for me for eight years and I ain't had a speck of trouble out of him. Not a speck. Shut your mouth, sir. Judge Taylor was wide awake and roaring. He was also pink in the face. His speech was miraculously unimpaired by his cigar. Link Dais, he yelled, if you have anything you want to say, you can say it under oath and at the proper time. But until then, you get out of this room, you hear me? Get out of this room, sir, you hear me? I'll be damned if I'll listen to this case again. Judge Taylor looked daggers at Atticus, as if daring him to speak, but Atticus had ducked his head and was laughing into his lap. I remembered something he had said about Judge Taylor's ex-cathedra remarks sometimes exceeding his duty, but that few lawyers ever did anything about them. I looked at Jim, but Jim shook his head. It ain't like one of the jury men got up and started talking, he said. I think it'd be different then. Mr. Link was just disturbing the peace or something. Judge Taylor told the reporter to expunge anything he happened to have written down after, Mr. Finch, if you were a nigger like me, you'd be scared too, and told the jury to disregard the interruption. He looked suspiciously down the middle aisle and waited, I suppose, for Mr. Link Dias to effect total departure. Then he said, Go ahead, Mr. Gilmer. You were given 30 days once for disorderly conduct, Robinson? Asked Mr. Gilmer. Yes, sir. What'd the nigger look like when you got through with him? He beat me, Mr. Gilmer. Yes, but you were convicted, weren't you? Atticus raised his head. It was a misdemeanor, and it was in the rec and it's in the record, Judge. I thought he sounded tired. Witness will answer, though, said Judge Taylor, just as wearily. Yes, sir, I got thirty days. I knew that Mr. Gilmer would sincerely tell the jury that anyone who was convicted of disorderly conduct could easily have had it in his heart to take advantage of Mayella Yule. That was the only reason he cared. Reasons like that helped. Robinson, you're pretty good at busting up shiffer robes and kindling with one hand, aren't you? Yes, sir, I reckon so. Strong enough to choke, a, to choke the breath out of a woman and sling her to the floor? I never done that, sir. But you are strong enough to. I reckon so, sir. Had your eye on her a long time, hadn't you, boy? No, sir. I never looked at her. Then you were mighty polite to do all that chopping and hauling for her, weren't you, boy? I was just trying to help her out, sir. That was mighty generous of you. You had chores at home after your regular work, didn't you? Yes, sir. Why didn't you do them instead of Miss, instead of Miss Ewell's? I done them both, sir. You must have been pretty busy. Why? Why what, sir? Why were you so anxious to do that woman's chores? Tom Robinson hesitated, searching for an answer. Looked like she didn't have nobody to help her, like I says. With Mr. Ewell and seven children on the place, boy? Well, I says it looked like they never help her none. You did all this chopping and work from sheer goodness, boy? Tried to help her, I says. Mr. Gilmer smiled grimly at the jury. You're a mighty good fellow, it seems. Did all this for not one penny? Yes, sir. I felt right sorry for her. She seemed to try more than the rest of them. You felt sorry for her? You felt sorry for her? Mr. Gilmer seemed ready to, ri to rise to the ceiling. The witness realized his mistake and shifted uncomfortably in the chair. But the damage was done. Below us, nobody liked Tom Robinson's answer. Mr. Gilmer paused a long time to let it sink in. 
Now, you went by the house as usual last November 21st, he said, and she asked you to come in and bust up a chifferobe? No, sir. Do you deny that you went by the house? No, sir. She says she has something for me to do inside the house. She says she asked you to bust up a chifferobe. Is that right? No, sir. It ain't. Then you saying she's lying, boy? Atticus was on his feet, but Tom Robinson didn't need him. I don't say she's lying, Mr. Gilmer. I say she's mistaken in her mind. The next ten, to the next ten questions, Mr. Gilmer reviewed Mayella's version of events. The witness's steady answer was that she was mistaken in her mind. Didn't Mr. Ewell run you off the place, boy? No, sir. I don't think he did. Don't think? What do you mean? I mean, I didn't stay long enough for him to run me off. You're very candid about this. Why did you run so fast? I says I was scared, sir. If you had a clear conscience, why were you scared? Like I says before, it weren't safe for any nigger to be in a, 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 a fix like that. But you weren't in a fix. You testified that you were resisting Miss Ewell. Were you so scared that she'd hurt you? That you ran? A big buck like you? No, sir. I scared I'd be in court just like I am now. Scared of arrest? Scared you'd have to face up to what you did? No, sir. Scared I'd have to face up to what I didn't do. Are you being impudent to me, boy? No, sir. I didn't go to be. This was as much as I heard of Mr. Gilmer's cross-examination because Jim made me take Dill out. For some reason, Dill had started crying and couldn't stop. Quietly at first, then his sobs were heard by several people in the balcony. Jim said if I didn't go with him, he'd make me. And Reverend Sykes said I'd better go. So I went. Dill had seemed to be all right that day, nothing wrong with him, but I guess he hadn't fully recovered from running away. Ain't you feeling good? I asked when we reached the bottom of the stairs. Dill tried to pull himself together as we ran down the south steps. Mr. Link Diaz was a lonely figure on the top step. Anything happening, Scout? He asked as we went by. No, sir, I answered over my shoulder. Dill here, he's sick. Come on out under the trees, I said. He'd got you, I expect. We chose the fattest live oak and sat under it. It was just him I couldn't stand, Dill said. Who, Tom? Who, Tom? That old Mr. Gilmer doing him that away, talking so hateful to him. Dill, that's his job. Why, if we didn't have prosecutors, well, we couldn't have defense attorneys, I reckon. Dill exhaled patiently. I know all that, Scout. It was the way he said it made me sick, plain sick. He's supposed to act that way, Dill. He was cross. He didn't act that way when, Dill, those were his own witnesses. Well, Mr. Finch didn't act that way to Mayella and old man Ewell when he cross-examined them. The way that man called him boy all the time and sneered at him and looked around at the jury every time he answered. Well, Dill, after all, he's just a Negro. I don't care one speck. It ain't right. Somehow it ain't right to do him that way. Hasn't anybody got any business talking like that? It just makes me sick. That's just Mr. Gilmer's way, Dill. He does them all that way. You never seen him get good and down on one yet. Why, when, well, today, Mr. Gilmer seemed like he wasn't even half trying. They do them all that way, most lawyers, I mean. Mr. Finch doesn't. 
He's not an example, Dill. He's... I was trying to grope in my memory for a sharp phrase of Miss Maudie Atkinson's. I had it. He's the same in the courtroom as he is on the public streets. That's not what I mean, said Dill. I know what you mean, boy, said a voice behind us. We thought it came from the tree trunk, but it belonged to Mr. Dolphus Raymond. He peered around the trunk at us. You aren't thin, hide it. It just makes you sick, doesn't it? That'll do it for Chapter 19. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you tune in again for Chapter 20 of Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. Thanks so much.